Our sermon is going to be based on the epistle lesson that's chosen for this day, taken from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 to 21. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed to you from your, fore, your, your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He, is, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. This is the word of our Lord. The last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote was 2 Timothy. It was his son, swan song. In fact, in some of the last words of 2 Timothy, he says these words. He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. The Apostle Paul would die. Why? Because he was zealous for the Lord Jesus Christ. He also said in that particular, uh, uh, that particular letter, 2 Timothy, he says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. He's saying that to all people for all ages. We can expect to be persecuted even for living for Jesus Christ. Yesterday in our catechism class that I have on Saturdays, our kids were particularly wanting to talk. And we were talking about these very things. And while they're in the eighth grade going to separate schools, they were talking about uh, how they are being persecuted, how the in school, not only the students, but even some of the faculty mock Christianity. There are all kinds of transgender kids. can't believe that, eighth grade. And they are particularly hard on Christianity. And then there are our children who are listening to this and wondering how to react. It was a great discussion. A great discussion. But all I could say at the end was this. Be strong, kids. Be strong. And parents, do everything you can to build them up and strengthen them. Because that's the way it's going to be to the very end of time. In fact, Paul says in 2 Timothy, these words, he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without control, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, uh, but treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And we can certainly see that in the society around us. And, and yet when we take a look at those words, <laughs> there are plenty of those characteristics that also are found in us. But thank God for Easter. Because we stand forgiven. 
And God proved it by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. When I go back in my life and I take a look at the words that I just read, and let's say go back 50 years, when I was in elementary school and just starting high school, those things were happening then too. In my day, I remember most the tension that was in this world. There was the Cold War between the Soviet Union and the United States still there. But it was particularly tense. It was particularly tense, and it uh, boiled up in the, uh, in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Those of you who are living uh, maybe remember that. When the Soviet Union was going to bring missiles and put them in Cuba, and our president, President Kennedy, stopped them. I remember coming into class one day to our uh, geography teacher, and there she was sobbing in her desk, at her desk saying that she thought for sure there was going to be a nuclear war in just a few hours or just a few days. That wasn't all that was going on. President Kennedy was assassinated. We think about the Vietnam War. We think about all the, 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 the protests that were going on. People lost their lives. We lost 58,000 of our own in Vietnam. There were the race wars that were going on in those days. A lot of stuff. Now we jump ahead 50 years. And what do we see? Everything that St. Paul's talking about. <laughs> On a weekly basis, just look at the headlines. You see people murdered in schools, in theaters, at concerts, in malls. On the streets of our major cities. We even live in a time when when people don't know what a woman is or what a man is. And we say, boy, are we in trouble. Why doesn't God bring it to an end? Well, I believe these words that Peter speaks to us this morning are some good encouragements for us. Because as we live in this world, keep your mind on Easter. Keep your mind on Easter. Let Easter be on your mind. I lived 28 years in Georgia, uh, you know, Charles. Yes, keep your mind on Easter. And remember what happened there. Remember that at Easter time, God made it very, very certain, just as what Peter says here, that uh, we are his children, and that he is our father. In fact, Peter says it like this. He says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Get ready, folks. This is verse 17. And when I think about verse 17, this is a whole sermon by itself. There are so many things here to think about and to uh, to, to put into our minds and to comfort us. He says again, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as a foreigner here in reverence. Since you call on a father. Peter's speaking these the words to Christian people. 
reason why we know is because only Christians really know God as a Father, our Heavenly Father. And only Christians know also that when we pray to Father, well, it's because He invites us to, and because we can and we know we're heard because Jesus took away our sins, you know? Remember Easter. Keep Easter on your mind. Yes, He is our Father. Judy and I know someone goes back to the beginning of my ministry, uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful lady. She uh, had three fine children, married to a man that uh, after 11 years of coming to our church, he finally took classes. This woman was incredible. She worked in the public school system. She worked as a teacher's aide for decades and decades and decades. She was also our choir director, and she was one mighty fine Sunday school teacher. And I always remember something that she asked me. When we were talking about, you know, this concept of God being our Father, she asked, and it went something like this, how can kids have a positive feeling about God as our Father when many kids don't have a positive experience with their earthly fathers? That's a good question, isn't it? Because there are many, many earthly fathers that have deserted their families. Our daughter, as many of you know, teaches emotionally disturbed kids. Almost without exception, the kids that are found there don't have a father in the home. And in fact, a good number don't have a mother either, and they're being raised by grandma. It's tough. But you know, the point of comparison is this, that every child-father relationship should take as its model God as our father to us, his children. That's what we should be shooting for. And what a marvelous, marvelous relationship we have. Remember the story about uh, the prodigal son? What a demonstration of what a wonderful, loving, kind, benevolent, merciful father we have. If you don't know the story about uh, the prodigal son, <laughs> then you got homework this week. Look up Luke chapter 15 and read it. Luke 15, 11 to 31. It's all about a young man who got sick and tired of living under his, his uh, parents' roof his dad's roof, and he wanted to get out and spread his wings. So what did he do? He, uh, he asked for his inheritance. His dad gave it to him, and he went off to a foreign land and lived a raucous, awful life. Finally, his resources ran out. The times were tough, and he realized how good he had it in his father's house. And he decided to go back, not as his son, because he didn't deserve to be, he said. I'll be a slave in my father's house. And remember what happens? There he is, off in a distance. And his father sees him. And the father runs to him and kisses him and hugs him and welcomes him back home. That's our father. And how do we know that? How can we be assured of that? Because God gave us proof. Easter. Jesus died on a cross on Friday, paying for our sins. Easter. 
prove to the world that the promise of forgiveness is true. You don't have to worry. You can be certain of it. God is our Father. And He's adopted us into His family. There have been, uh, in my ministry, there was almost three times, or let me say it this way, twice I was asked if I would be present at an adoption. Actually, I was asked for three times. The last one, uh, the mother of the child backed out, devastated the parents or the would-be parents. But the other two adoptions, one done at a Christian, uh, a Christian adoption agency, and the other one was done simply in a lawyer's office. And how emotional that was. I can't believe what it must have been like for, for the would-be parents and the parents that became <laughs> the, the parents. I mean, there they were living, trying to have children a number of years, and it didn't seem to work. And then God gave them hope, and it all worked out. And suddenly, a husband and wife became mom and dad, and their whole life changed for the good, for their good, for the child's good. And yet, when I think about adoption, you know, I've been present many times in my ministry. In fact, I've been used as a tool in the ministry when an adoption took place. It took place at a place like the baptismal font, where at the baptismal font, incredibly easy. You know, in fact, when you get to the seminary, <clears throat> we didn't even have to practice how to baptize. It's that easy. Water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what happens? The Holy Spirit, with His power and with His love and with His compassion, changes the status of the person who is being baptized from being outside the kingdom to being inside the kingdom. Outside of the family to inside the family. It really is awesome. Baptism gives us so many wonderful privileges and blessings. And what are they? Well, one is to be adopted into the family of Christ, but you can go down Scripture. You think about Romans chapter 6, verse 5, where it says that, that, uh, that we become united with Christ. Or the Greek word there says, engrafted. So that everything that Jesus endured, we endured. Because we have that connection. So when he died on the cross and paid for our sins, that all became ours. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, that's exactly what happened. We read about it here this morning. Repent and be baptized and wash away your sins. How can they be washed away? Because, because Jesus won that for us. And we are so connected with him. Or... You think about Galatians chapter 5. What an awesome chapter that is. Where the Lord tells us, where the Lord tells us that in baptism, in baptism, He uh, takes off the fleshly garments that we're wearing, the fleshly, the carnal 
sinful flesh. And he replaces that with the robes of Christ's righteousness. Where it says in the scriptures, So in Christ Jesus you were all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ. Or again in Romans chapter 6. Referred to before, when we were united with Christ, when Jesus died, we died. That's what happened at baptism. At baptism, we died with Jesus. We were buried with Jesus, and we were raised with Jesus. In other words, <laughs> Easter. At baptism, Easter became ours. Yes, God is our Father. And remember that when, when the world seems to be falling apart. God doesn't desert us. We're his family. And as members of his family, we can go to him and call on him. That's what it says here. He says, since you call on a father, our heavenly father. See, I'm still in verse 17. Since you call on a father. Atheists don't have that because they don't believe in a God, right? There are a lot of people who are religious who think that because they're religious, they can call on a God, whoever he might be. But the Bible says that's not true either because we pray in Jesus' name. It's Christians who have the right and the invitation to come to him in prayer because of Easter. The Bible says that sin separates you from God. But what did Jesus do? At Easter, those sins have been taken away. So now what? We have access. We come to him. We come to him in prayer. Remember the uh, story about Elijah and the prophets of Baal? Farnet, prophets of Baal. There was a challenge going on about who was really God, Baal or whether it was the Lord. And there were the prophets of Baal, trying to claim that ba Baal was really the true God of this world. And what do they do? The prophets of Baal prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. But their prayer was, well, it was falling on deaf ears, because there were no ears to fall on, because Baal's not real. And then what happened? Elijah prayed, and did he ever make it known? that God, the Lord God, is truly the God of the universe. And it is this God who is our Father. And we can go to Him. He invites us. Now, let's talk more about verse 15, uh, 17, the first verse. Next part of verse 17 kind of makes us feel a little bit uneasy, doesn't it? says here that our Father is the one who judges the works of each one impartially. You know, when we take a good look at our lives, we see sin still here, don't we? Understand it's forgiven, but sin is still here. And it says here that he judges the work of each one impartially. But again, remember who we are. We're forgiven. It's Easter. We're forgiven. And when God sees the things that we offer to him out of love and thanks, 
He loves it, even though they're not perfect. The author of a book that I read on these verses said he was once asked the questions, two questions. Why do Christians entertain so much sin? And I guess we'll probably all have to agree. Why do I still sin so much? And the other question is, why do Christians live such unsanctified lives, set-apart lives? Why do we still live such unsanctified lives? I think the author had a great answer. The answer was, because we don't think. Now think about this. God is our Father. Maybe because we pray the Lord's Prayer so often, it just kind of rolls off our lips, our Father who art in heaven, and we don't always think about it. But what a sacred relationship that is, that we are indeed the children of God. He is our Father. And doesn't He deserve our love and our honor and our obedience? Doesn't He deserve better from us when it comes to our thoughts, words, and actions? He's our Father. He's our Father. And that's what Paul says. He says, or Peter says, he says, because of that, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. We're just passing through the world. We're strangers here. We're going to be here for just a little while, and then we're going to be gone. But the Lord would tell us and encourage us to remember that while you're here, leave an imprint. Make sure people understand where you, where you come from and who is your God and who is your Father. Let people know how much you love the Lord, even in the days that we are going through at this particular time. And it's Easter that motivates us to do so. But yet you might say, <laughs> but I fail, Pastor, and so do I. <laughs> and that's where Peter takes us right back again to Easter. He says, for you know, we're out of verse 17 now. <laughs> he says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. People say that money can buy anything. And money can buy an awful lot, yeah. People say everything has a price. People say that people have a price. I decided to look up <clears throat> how much gold is in Fort Knox. There's a lot. 147,300,000 ounces. That figures out to be about $7 trillion worth of gold. That'll buy you a few things. <laughs> I had a laugh because it still won't pay for our national debt. <laughs> and you know there's something else that it doesn't pay for and never will doesn't pay for sin. And you know why? Because it's not valuable enough. And you know what only is valuable enough? 
the holy, precious blood and suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Week, Easter Sunday. No wonder why we should keep our minds on Easter. His blood is precious because of who he is. Our God, our Savior. Only he could pay for our sins. And he says that when he gave his holy precious blood, it says that he redeemed your he redeemed you from your empty way of life. Now, if there were Jews who were listening uh, and, and uh, reading these words from Peter, the empty way of life that uh, Peter, or Peter would be talking about is what Jews did when it came to religion. It was about doing this, doing that, right? The legalism, the stress on the law, the stress on do not and do, be and be not, right? In fact, they loved it so much, and there were people like the Pharisees who actually thought that they were good enough to get into heaven. <laughs> uh, they loved it so much that they actually created another book called the Talmud, had 600 more laws, as if the first five books of the Bible didn't have enough. Now, if that's the way you're feeling, and if that's the way you're thinking, that's an empty way of life, because you'll never fulfill the law. Thank God for Easter. Thank God for Easter. Jesus paid for every one. Every last one of them. And if you were a Greek reading these words of Peter, the empty way of life that uh, the Greeks would have been and were very involved in was this, that their lives were controlled by the three fates. And you know what the three fates were? Women. Three women. And this isn't an insult to you, but this is the way it is. Someone described the three uh, fates as capricious. Capricious. You know what that means? Moody. <laughs> Going one direction one day and another direction another day. And the three fates controlled your life. Where are you going? What are you going to do? And if you were a Greek, when you died, where would you go? Your soul would cross the river, the river Styx, and would go into Hades, a dark and gloomy place where your soul would go to and fro, where everything was cheerless. Thank God for Easter, because look what we have. We're going to the place where there are crystal clear fountains, where there's pleasures and treasures forevermore where we have an audience with our holy, loving, benevolent God. Where we have someone who has made us certain that all of this is true because Jesus Christ died on the cross on Good Friday and was raised to life on Easter Sunday to prove that none of this is fake and phony. His resurrection was well witnessed by hundreds of people. So we know it's certain. We know it's true. 
And there's one last thought. When I say that you should keep Easter on your mind, the last words tell us here, the last two verses tell us that Easter was always on God's mind. And how do we know that? Because of what it says here. He says, he, this is Jesus, right? He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. For through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Nothing is unknown to God. He's timeless, and you can get lost in trying to comprehend this. But while he created Adam and Eve perfectly, <laughs> yet they fell into sin, and God knew that it was going to happen. He knew it from eternity, and a plan was in place from eternity, and it involved his son. From eternity, Easter was already in the works. At the beginning of this service, uh, sermon, I, I asked this question. I asked, why doesn't God just destroy everything? Why doesn't he get rid of it? There's a good answer for that. And the answer is this. That God wants more people in heaven. God wants more people to have Easter on their mind. There are plenty of people who don't know. You and I do know. And that's why we need to share it. Amen.